Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Dealmaker Diaries. Today we have with us Damian Lupo who's a professional real estate investor, serial entrepreneur, and best-selling author of 11 books. He's a four-time college dropout who actually got thrown out of one of the schools for opening a bookstore in his dorm room, putting the official store into bankruptcy. Damien became a multimillionaire by the age of 25 and then lost his $20 million empire by the age of 30. After what would have been a crushing defeat for many, Damien rebuilt his entire fortune. He totally reinvented himself and his business and today lives inside a mission to free a million people from financial bondage. He bought his first rental house with a visa, which snowballed into owning 150 rental houses in seven states in less than five years. Eventually, Damien founded Total Control Financial in 2010 to help people achieve financial freedom. His company focuses on qualified qualified retirement plans, which are much more flexible than IRAs or 401ks. The main goal of Damien's company is to take money out of Wall Street and put it into Main Street's hands. So let's give Damien a warm welcome to the show. Let's go. Hey, Damon, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Likewise, likewise. How's your day going so far? Pretty good? Everything is going great. You know, I, I was here, the, the the guys that are 80, 90 years old saying, hey, I'm six feet above ground, so it's it's all good. I'm not six feet under. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, awesome. So um, before we jump in, why don't you tell the um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background and... Um, how you got started? Well, I mean, I, I think my, my background is is really a very uh, it, it's a very similar type of background to anybody that's ever been an entrepreneur. You, once you have that that blood, you just, you realize that it doesn't ever leave you. And everything you're, you're the way that I see the world is a series of problems that I can solve. And and entrepreneurs go out there and they solve problems, and and that's why it's so important that I, I, you know I, I get really frustrated by people that are especially politicians that push on this idea that people in business or people that get rich are somehow bad because the ones that are getting rich are generally people that are solving the problems of the world and government's creating the problems. So I, I've just, I've spent my whole life building businesses, have started and, and owned more than 60 companies. And it was just a series of different problems, looking at problems. When I was a kid, I started businesses because my parents told me we were broke and that was my problem. Problem was we didn't have any money and I was going to fix that. And then as time went on, it was it was other people's problems that I was looking to solve, and what I, what I've learned as an entrepreneur is that the more you solve problems, the more you give other people what they need, you can have anything you need. And Zig Ziglar said that he made that that saying famous, that you can have anything in the world you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. So I've been doing that in in both the real estate and other businesses for the last twenty five years, and and you know you learn a lot when you're in the entrepreneurial space. One of the things that I've I've learned is that failing is your best friend. 
And people are taught, we're all taught as, as kids, that failing is somehow bad, that if you get half of the answers wrong, that, that they, you're a failure and you should leave, you get kicked out. In reality, if you get half of anything right in the real world, you're a billionaire. So we, I, I've just, I, I gotten really used to making a lot of mistakes and learning from them and writing books about them and then finding better ways to serve people more efficiently and, and growing that impact. And I think that's really, really the essence of, of who I am. It's, it's somebody that's willing to stub my toes and bleed in the streets and get muddy in the trenches. And, and I just don't quit. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, and if you, and if you look around and see who the wealthiest people are in the world, those are the people who are solving the most problems, right? I mean, you look at Bezos and Musk, I mean, they're solving the biggest problems. And yeah, it, it clearly happens for them when you solve problems, money flows your way, people don't mind paying for things right. to solve their problems. It's interesting because I was looking at a little Twitter spat between Jeff Bezos and the White House, and and it was it was because the White House made some comment. They said we need to, uh, we've got a problem, and inflation's a problem, and the, and the best thing we can do is to make sure that corporations pay their fair share of taxes. And I laughed and I thought, what idiot is making these comments? Clearly, Joe Biden has no clue, and clearly, people that are in his comms department don't understand economics. It has to do with a, a monetary system based on central banking that has screwed up our system so bad. It has nothing to do with the pandemic or Ukraine or, or corporations. It's about this, this money printing, and that's driven by Congress. And I just thought that was really interesting. And Jeff Bezos pushed back hard. He goes, you clearly should be um, monitoring your own tweets because this is misinformation. So your own new disinformation governance board should probably be citing this as misinformation. And I was cracking up because Jeff generally doesn't get involved in these type of conversations he's he's very much talking about the vision of amazon and and the books he's read and things and and here's a guy that is worth you know 100 200 billion dollars why because he is a, a you know he's a robber baron no it's because he went out there and solved problems like the reason that we can get most people can get almost anything anytime within a day is because jeff was willing to put up his capital his time and his blood and sweat and tears and build something and he took the risk and that's what society needs. We don't need any more Joe Bidens. We don't need any more people that are saying that we need to have the government centrally commit and command like a communist state. We need the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musks. We need the people like you going out there and doing real estate that are actually solving problems like the housing. You know, they, This is what the world needs, more entrepreneurs, more people thinking about solving problems, not creating them. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the reason the White House can make, make statements like that because I think most people aren't financially literate. So to that point, how, how, how can we educate children on financial matters and get them ahead of the game before they even finish school? No, the, I mean, the, the best thing to do is, is to have the education outside of school because the school are, I mean, the schools are full of a bunch of socialist communists teaching, uh, you know, and they're teaching the next generation of socialists. And it's, it's unfortunate, but you think about the curriculum and people that are studying the curriculum are the ones that are then teaching the, the kids and they don't understand economics. They don't understand money. The whole the whole uh, school system was set up a hundred years ago, basically the way it, it's modern form as a, an industrialized system to produce people for rich people's factories. And so it's not really set up to teach people about the truth of money. So where do you get that? You get that at home. And unfortunately, I don't know about most people's parents. Probably very similar. My parents didn't know anything about money. They barely knew how to balance their checkbook. And that's just the reality. We all stumble through and we, we do the best we can, but we don't have a clue. Unfortunately, people think they're going to learn about this in a business class 
or economics or something, and you're, you're not. It's our, our system isn't set up unless you go to Kellogg University of Chicago or something. You're, you're just not going to know these things. You have to go out there in the trenches. So like what you're doing and people are out there doing real estate syndications, that's how you're going to learn it. You're definitely not going to learn it. And it's it's the books. It's the choices. But you know what's crazy is the average American does not read a book after high school. On average, zero. So that means it's less than like less than half a book because it gets rounded down to zero. That's embarrassing. There's no difference between yeah. being illiterate and not reading. It's the same basic problem. You yeah. aren't getting any information into you. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think the same is for college graduates as well. Most people, after they get their degree, they feel they're, I'm finished learning. I don't have any more to learn. So that's right. It's, it's unfortunate. Right, yeah, so I, I think you know, and, and to answer the question specifically, there there are people like parents should be looking at and encouraging their kids to do things like play cash flow, read the richest man in Babylon, you know, study mm -hmm. study things where you have actual wisdom inside these books, not just the next get rich quick type of book or or some Yahoo like as much as I love him, Tony Robbins' book Money Mastering the Game was a bunch of BS. It was a bunch of horse crap. And all he said in eight hundred pages was go put your money with a mutual fund with a low load. That was basically the essence in 800 pages. Apparently, he writes really in circles because that was a big waste of time for most people. And it didn't. And you know what? Here's the reality Tony doesn't know how to invest. He knows how to make a ton of money. The guy's made 400, 500 million dollars. He's brilliant at what he does, but he doesn't know how to. He's not a professional investor. And so people are looking at stuff like that, or they listen to Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman. What they should be doing out there is, is going and doing things on their, you know, actually participating and then reading books by people. That have actually gone out and done it you know guys like ray dalio with principles or mm. or jorge perez that did his you know he, a major real estate developer in florida reading people like that alex spanos like there are people that you can model and replicate you should not be modeling the people that don't know what they're doing and then they're trying to teach you that thing that's a typical academic type of teaching philosophy let me just read a book and then i'll teach you what i read that's bs mm. go find the people <laughs> that have done it let, learn from them absolutely and, and, and to add on to that, what, what would you say is the importance of surrounding yourself with a team that tells you the truth and like-minded individuals? I think most people by default have a bunch of you know, yahoos that are surrounding them, and so they become a yahoo. And, it's, and it, it, you know, when we think about get, getting our advice, it's, it's whoever's next to us at the bar, whoever's our next door neighbor. When we, when, when we ask people, who's your CPA? Well, it's my, my cousin Fred, or it's, you know, it's somebody down the street, or it's, it's a proximity thing. And unfortunately, for most people, their their default is proximity. The people around them, most people are in the same town or the same state they've been in their whole lives. They might go out for college or maybe not. So th th there's a question. Are you going to consciously choose the environmental factors, primarily the people that are going to be influencing you? Because you are going to become the average of those people, those five people. That's I mean, this is like a core belief that is true, and it's been stated by so many different people. I wrote about it in Reinvented Life. That it's I call it your Bucky Five. I by osmosis we absorb things. It's a it's a thing in, in biology. We absorb through our skin elements in the environment. It's the same thing energetically. We absorb and the thinking of other people. And so when people are saying certain things, whether they're abundant minded or scarcity minded, if 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 somebody is around you and they make twelve million dollars a year, and you go, okay, well you know what, all my people around me make twelve million. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to be doing the things that they do. Pretty soon you're going to be making twelve million. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to make 12 million bucks and everybody around you is making $42,000 working at the Piggly Wiggly grocery store, guess what? They're going to pull you into the Piggly Wiggly and you are not going to make 12 million. It's just not going to happen. So how important is it? 
It's critical. You are dead meat if you have the wrong environmental function because it'll eventually wear you out not having the support. It's draining. Yeah, and you're exactly right. You do absorb it, right? You, you, you may think you're not, but your subconscious, every negative lackluster or lack-involved thing they say, you absorb it in your subconscious unless you've trained yourself to bounce that off of you, which, which takes some time as well. And it, and, yeah. it's, and, and it does take, it, it sucks the energy. So you can do that for periods of time, but the reality is you're, you're, you're not impervious to pain. And the, and the truth is you're not going to be able to do it forever. And it's, and people think I can just have my thing. Now the, the truth is you'll, you'll start to hear people's words, even the way that people say, I hope something will happen or must be nice if you're rich or these little things, mm -hmm. they'll become part of your vernacular, the way that you talk. And you'll start programming your brain based on the way that you talk because of what you heard somebody else say. It's a natural tribal instinct. We want to be like people that are around us because that way we won't get eaten. I mean, thousands of years ago, what did we do? We hung out with other people so that things didn't eat us in the wild. We became more like them. Animals do this in the wild too. They, they try to blend in. Why do, why do you know, reptiles become the same color as their environment? Because they don't want to be eaten by a bird. So it's the same thing. We do the same stuff and you will do the same, same thing without thinking about it. So it's important to, to choose consciously which environment do I want to be like? Otherwise, you're going to be like the one that you're already in. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk. Um, let's move into investments now and talk about um, real estate investing, investing in your future, investing for your family. So Talk about some of the deadly mistakes investors make using their IRAs for real estate. I know a lot of people, our investors included, use things such as their 401k or IRAs to invest in syndications. What are some of the mistakes you see in your day-to-day? -day? Well, one of the big mistakes people make with their IRAs is they think if there's an IRA, they can invest in whatever because their custodian said it's okay. And, and the biggest mistake I see people making, they're using IRAs to invest in real estate syndications that have debt. Real estate generally has debt. And the problem with that is that IRAs get taxed with something called UBIT. So basically, if you invest $50,000 and you make $50,000, you double your money over four or five years, which is very common in syndications. If that happens and this thing has a normal amount of debt, you're likely to spend somewhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000 on taxes inside the IRA, even if it's a Roth IRA. And that's because the UBIT tax is something that gets hammered by, with people that are using IRAs for leveraged deals. On the other hand, if you have the right retirement vehicle, the EQRP will is exempted from that. And so it's that that's the biggest mistake we're seeing people make. Uh, the, the other one is, in general, people are, are taking command and control of their IRA assets, which is illegal. The, the U.S. tax court made it illegal last November. You cannot have command of your assets. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of custodians, a lot of actual attorneys that have set up thousands of these accounts for people. And they're just not really saying anything about it because they don't want to have to undo all these. But the truth is you're running something that is illegal. You're not going to go to jail. But what happens is when you get caught, which you will eventually, the IRS is going to say, uh, this is disqualified. So you're going to be taxed and penalized all right now. And that's, this is a huge problem for people. The, the reality, oh, though, is you can control if you use the right vehicle. And the, the right vehicle is an EQRP. You can have control because you can be the trustee. IRAs are terrible vehicles in most cases for people that want to do anything other than stocks. I mean, they just they, they aren't a good vehicle anymore because of the, the because of the tax courts and because of Congress and the rules. All right, and, so, and for those who don't know much about EQRPs, can you talk a little bit more about those and what it stands for and how it yep. works? And 
Yeah, the EQRP is is the Ferrari of 401ks. It's a type of 401k that allows you to invest your 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 money in things that you want to. You're in control and command, meaning meaning you get to choose and direct. You get to write the checks, and you can do this whether you're by yourself, whether you have employees, whether you have kids. Your kids can have it. It allows you to do all the investments that you want to do, like real estate, Bitcoin, gold. You can do stocks, bonds, mutual funds. You can do everything in the world that you already could do, that, but you're not going to be taxed with UBIT, and you're not going to have some custodian or some financial advisor telling you that, nope, you should only do this one thing called the mutual fund that I get paid fees on. It's mm-hmm. you're you actually have a you have you have a reasonable chance at actually being financially free. I would say that the average person in America right now that has a 401k will never be financially free. I don't care how much money ends up being in the 401k. I don't care if you max the thing out for the next 20 years, you're not going to be financially free in large part because you have no financial education. You're just giving money to somebody into a system. They're feeing you to death. So if you're lucky enough that the market moves up, which I don't think it'll keep doing. In fact, a little crazy thing that people don't know in 1929, when the market crashed, it took 25 years for the market to break even. And people think, oh, and they're told, the markets that go down with bear markets always go back up, and the average bear market is less than a year or less than 18 months. Actually, when it happens and it's bad, it can be it can be an entire generation or more. And that's what I see likely to happen in the years to come. We've pumped this thing up with all this cheap fake money for decades, and and there's a reckoning that's coming. So there's you, know, you have to start thinking, well, how do, how do I actually create financial freedom that's permanent? It's by your active involvement. You have to participate. You can't just be on the sidelines and say, I hope it works out. That's a terrible, mm-hmm. destructive, horrible strategy. Absolutely. And, and on that end, while we're talking about retirement, um, you know, you hear so often a retirement system's broken. So what, what can I or other investors or other people looking to retire using their earnings, what can they do about that? Well, the, the, you got to get in the game. And, and so don't, don't read Tony Robbins' book. That's a terrible idea. Mastering the game is not what, what's going to happen with that book. You're just going to lose 27 hours of your life. The, the reality, though, is that if you want to figure out how to become financially free, you've got to go participate. You've got to become a part of a deal. And I'm not talking about listening to somebody and saying, oh, you know what? I heard this person at an event or I heard their podcast and I'm going to give them my life savings. I'm talking about you want to participate, go out there and meet the people. Go out and, and physically eyeball to eyeball, go meet the people that you're going to invest with. You can be a passive investor, but don't be passive. Like, you know, if, if you have a relationship and you tell your spouse, look, I'm going to be a passive participant in bed, that, that person's going to leave you. They're going to be like, really? You're going to lay around here for the next 20 years? Yeah, that's my plan. Okay, they're going to be gone. So same thing with your money. You've got to be active. Go meet the sponsors. Go meet your partners. Go look at the deals. Unfortunately, most people are too lazy. They're too busy. They're too exhausted. And they say, well, I, this person seems nice. And we, we just had a client of ours that has a retirement account and somebody convinced her to go take her money and go get a bunch of debt and hand it to this guy with absolutely nothing there. And you know, it's $300,000 later. We've had that story happen over and over again because people, they want the, this giant return and they just they get lazy and anxious and impatient. They just they throw the money and hope it works and then the money goes away. So you've got to be mindful. So what do you do about that? That's a lot of idea, but what's the first step? You got to get somebody that you're, you're literally paying to coach or mentor you that is there simply to coach or mentor you, not to sell you anything. And, and so if you're going to say, well, look, my coach or mentor has deals, great. Find another coach or mentor. Don't end up having the coach or mentor also selling you things because you, just, just understand it's a conflict of interest. 
And it's and it doesn't mean it can't work. It just means it's very dangerous. I've seen a lot of people. There's a con man up in Alaska that I ran into by the name of Jerry Feta that coached a lot of people. And I said, what he's doing is a scam. And ultimately, people said, well, it seems to be working until he disappeared and ghosted with tens of millions of dollars. And you know, they, they, the guys, they watch Grant Cardone, and they have this big snappy life and the shiny vehicles and the brand new suits. And everybody goes, I want to be like them. Or they wa watch Ty Lopez. They watch these people. And, and guess what happens? It's a, it's, a, it's a con job because it's not real. And people, they fall in love the, with the idea. And that's what these people are preying on. And unfortunately, people are losing their life savings because they're not taking it one step at a time. They're trying to leap the entire chasm of financial illiteracy by doing one move, and they're not actually learning anything. Other while they're learning, they're learning how to lose all their money. And that's that's the thing you got to be. You have to be mindful. This is a long-term race. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Yeah, absolutely. And and to that point, yes, yeah, all kind of meetups and events you can go to to learn how to vet sponsors and intelligently analyze deals in a safe manner, right? So like you said, you, know, you want to get active, but you definitely want to vet the sponsor or operator before you invest with them, for sure. That's right. Because there's, there's a lot out there who don't have the experience or don't have the best interest at heart. So, all right, awesome. And um, let's talk about 401ks a little, because I think, I don't know, what, what percentage of America has 401ks, would you say? That's a good question. I, I don't. I actually don't even know the the number of of what they have. There's what, what you're seeing in Congress is is there's more and more push to force companies like California is forcing. If you have employees, they're now forcing you to have 401ks. They're forcing retirement accounts, and for some reason, government thinks that this is a good idea. But it's not that they necessarily think it's a great idea. Some of them do, but they're getting a lot of pressure and a lot of money from lobbyists on Wall Street that are saying mm -hmm. we want you to create ways to force people to put their money into the system that we can fee on and feed on. And so it's it's going to become more and more normalized. Like in Australia, the superannuation, basically, you've got like 15% of your money or 12%, some pretty significant amount that goes into the system. And everybody has a big pile of money. But if it's being forced into a system that's primarily in stocks and mutual funds, this is a scam system that's broken. And it's it, it, it's basically a way for you to get other people rich. And you're just going to wake up one day and go, wow, look, I have $400,000. I can buy gas. You know, like it's not going to really work for you. So it, how many people have it more every day? Is it going to help them in the future? Probably not too much because they're, they're not really learning anything. They're just forcing some cash into a system. And then what happens? People wake up all the time and, and they'll call me and they'll say, I've got $2 million and 55 years old. I, the amount of times I've heard that is, is crazy. And a lot of people in America would say, that sounds great, $2 million. It doesn't mean anything. If you have $2 million, because if you know nothing about the $2 million, all you're going to be relying on is the markets, the up arrows and the down arrows and the roller coaster. And you don't have any idea. If you looked at a deal, you wouldn't know what to look at in the first place because it's all been passive. So I don't think a big 401k is actually the answer. I think an actively engaged retirement account where you use the tax sheltering vehicle, like the Roth pieces, where you pay no taxes, people all the time go, my taxes suck. I'm like, well, stop paying them legally meaning used Roth accounts, meaning used depreciation. Like there's a whole bunch of different ways to not pay taxes. Not paying taxes is patriotic, by the way. These, these knucklehead communist people like AOC and Elizabeth Warren that think you should pay more taxes, they have no idea what they're talking about because they've always been academics and, and basically sucking off the system. The reality is if you're not paying taxes, you're doing what the government wants. You're creating jobs. You're creating housing. That, the whole tax code is set up as a series of taxes, of, of incentives to get you to do things that the government sucks at. And so that's, the, that's the, the point of not paying taxes, not because you go, the IRS is illegal. That's a totally different conversation. 
when you say, look, the government wants me to do these things and you go do them and you don't pay taxes, we should celebrate that because you did more than the lazy employee that never went out there and created anything in their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I hear Warren calling for Musk and Bezos to pay more taxes all the time. Right. But those guys, I mean, probably, they probably pay more taxes than anybody on, on earth. How much, how much is enough, Elizabeth? You know, you, Elon paid like six or seven billion dollars in taxes for 2021. I right. mean, more taxes than anybody's paid in history ever on anything. And apparently that wasn't enough. The average American spends 70% of their money on taxes every year. They don't realize it, but they do through all the different taxes. For AOC, that wasn't enough. Apparently, it should be more than 70%. So AOC, how much is enough? Elizabeth, how much is enough? Biden? And it's it's like we all find these like it's it's really interesting to hear people that go, yeah, I like this agenda because it, it gives me more freebies. There is nothing free. There's no free lunch. There's no magic pill. You, it, it's it's about work and it's it's about contributing and it's about solving problems. But you know, you you have politicians that seem to have an answer to everything and it, it all revolves around freebies and stealing from the rich. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to talk a little bit about um so while we're talking about this, I think. One thing I think the wealthy is capable of, like you said, we're, they're not afraid, afraid of um, failure. So I, and I, most wealthy people know, even if they lost everything, they have the knowledge and wherewithal to make it all again, right? So they're not, they're not, most of them aren't afraid of that. And I know you have a story to that point. You were a millionaire by 25 and you were able to lose it and get it all back again. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, one of the crazy things, like we talked about in the beginning, they were taught to not fail. And we think that somehow failing is is bad or wrong. And, and you know, no, nobody wants to go sit. I mean, in general, we don't want to say, okay, I'm going to go lose everything so I can learn a lesson. That's not the goal. I, I talked to one guy years ago, and and uh, his name is, you guys probably know who this is. His name is Robert Kiyosaki. I was talking to him about 25 years ago. And, and we were talking at an event. And, you know, one of the things that he and other people were saying was, look, I, I don't want to talk to you or invest with you or loan you money or be a partner until you've at least gone bankrupt twice. And I thought, what a stupid thing to say. Like, I'm not going to go bankrupt. I'm not going to lose my money. And yet it happened three times. And it was because I needed to learn something. And that was the beauty and the gift. I had to go learn about margin. I had to learn about investing in in smoke, basically in a, in a stock that somebody says, this is great. And then I watched 99% of my money go away, which is basically all of it. And, and using margin, understanding leverage is powerful up and down. It can slice you and dice you both ways. And, and then when I did my real estate stuff, I didn't understand focus. I was, too, I was in too many places doing too many things thinking I am magic. I've made millions of dollars, and so therefore I will always make millions of dollars. Yeah, but there's a process. It's called losing all your millions of dollars to make the next chunk. And this was because my ego was, was so big, and, and that's where I see a lot of people today they think that nothing can happen except a bull market. They think that prices continue to go up and you can use bridge financing for a, a property and it'll work out and, and the exit will work because I'm sure caps will be at three for the next 10 years. You know, like there's, there's these insane assumptions and I had insane assumptions too. And then I was fortunate enough to lose everything plus five. So I lost $25 million and I was negative $5 million. And, and I, I learned, okay, you know what? Greatest gift here is that lost the money, but I'm still here. And mm. when I originally, I thought that my net worth and self-worth were the same thing. And going through this process, I realized through a lot of therapy and, and just self-reflection that net worth is a number. Self-worth is, is emotional and spiritual. And, and 
just because your money changes, like you make a bunch of money, you lose a bunch of money, you're still the same person looking in the mirror. And, and a lot of people think that somehow if they lose money that everybody's going to laugh at them and they're going to be homeless and they're going to die. And it's, it's pretty extreme. And what's great is when you lose money and you learn from it, you actually become more powerful and stronger and you're going to get wealthier because of that. Versus if you don't do it, I see a lot of people, there's, there's one complete moron that I've taught with in the past at seminars that likes to go up there and tell everybody he's never lost money in the last 16, 17, 18, 20 years of real estate investing. And he's done thousands and thousands of apartments. And I go, you're either lying or you're lying. Like there's just <laughs> like something you're not telling everybody the truth here. And it's just not, it's not real. So you, when you go through and you do enough in the world, you make mistakes, you take yeah. losses, things happen. You're not perfect. I mean, there's only one dude that was ever perfect, and it, it wasn't you. I'm telling you right now, mm -hmm. not you. Yeah, and to your point, and the people who would laugh at you losing all your money, those are the people who have never tried and don't matter anyway. So I wouldn't worry about the people who, who did laugh at you anyway, right? I mean, I think there are some people who could say, ah, ha, ha, yeah, he failed, but those people yeah, they're, don't they're, matter. That's right. They're, they're, nobody's erecting a statue for a critic. Like yeah. that's, it's, it's easy to be critical. It's, it's like, it's funny watching social media where people go out there and, and the ones that are the loudest and, and most critical are the ones that haven't done crap in their entire life. People that are, are doing things are not the ones that are out there being critical of somebody that flopped. They're actually really encouraging. So that's something to think about. If you're out there and you post something or you share and you get any type of feedback that's negative or destructive, I, you know, be, be really, be, be really honest that, Hey, you know what, that person hasn't done anything with their life anyway. So it, their their opinion is worth zero. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's um, Damien, let's jump into the lightning round quick before I let you off. Sure. Um, so, what book or books have greatly influenced your life? I've a few uh, classics, and um, I can tell you that Mastery is one of my favorite ones by George Leonard, and I love that book. It's it's about the the process of of becoming. It's it's becoming. A master and you're never going to be a master it's just the process of mastery and and i love that because it helps you to understand the grind which gary v has made famous and and there's this process where you feel like you're not making any progress and the reality is there it's called the plateau so going into that book you'll understand the plateau and and why mastery is the key to actual deep fulfillment that making money or making a big you know big success moment is just not the same as fulfillment and the other one that's really important that's relatively recent last few years was principles by Ray Dalio. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's critical that everybody's running their life based on principles and values and a playbook, because otherwise you're going to just react to any shiny object. And basically you're going to turn into a drunk squirrel chasing shiny nuts. And that's what most yeah. people are doing these days. Yeah. That was a, that one principles. That's a real good one. We had a couple of years ago, but yeah, excellent. One. Okay. And um, how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Well, one of the greatest things when you fail, and and so there's a great book called Failing Forward by John Maxwell. And when you when you're failing, you in the middle of a failure, I, I'm always asking myself, okay, what am I learning right now? And I'm trying to get to the lesson as soon as possible. And so you that that's the great part about failing. And when you you write a check and it doesn't work, and I've had plenty of things. Marketing is great. You learn really fast with marketing. Oh, that didn't work because I spent money and didn't have money come back. Okay, let's not do that again. And would, would people say that that's a failure? No. I mean, it's if, if you watch Magic Johnson's, uh, the documentary that, that they that recently came out, he did a lot of things that just didn't work. I think there was like a talk show or something that I hadn't even heard of. And, and so 
you just this is this is how we learn. There's not winners and losers. There's winners and learners. And so the question is, mm-hmm. did you win or did you learn? And if you've always won, you're about to get slammed in the face. And if you actually understand that losing and learning is is part of the the growth process, then you start to fall in love with it. And that's that's the the cool part. Then you just then it's all about how fast can I fail? Absolutely. Okay. And um. If you could have a billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? What would it say? I'm I'm trying to decide whether it would say go or chill. And it's funny because they're the exact opposite of each other. And and, and there's a time and a place for maybe you would say go chill. You know, it's (laughs) and it's it's. I, I think a lot of people are just chilled waiting and watching life go by and, and that's unfortunate. And then some people are so go, go, go that they're missing every moment. And then they're going to wake up one day and go, wow, I missed the entire thing, but look, I got all this money. So I think there's a, a moment and we, and we've got to really be purposeful that there are seasons for go and there are seasons for chill and they're not the same. And we need all, we need both of them. All right. Excellent. All right. And final one. Um, what important truth do very few people agree with you on? I, I think that most people think that the answers for their life are in somebody else's head. And it's that there was a, a great documentary called I Am Not Your Guru. So right. it, was, it was about Tony, um, which is funny because, and, and I like Tony, I like his stuff. I just think that his money book was stupid. But the, the, the truth is you are your own guru and you have beautiful instincts and, and wisdom if you'll trust yourself. And I think that people have just, they've, they, they've been taught to think, for example, with investing, the system tells you you're too stupid. Financial advisors tell you that you're too dumb to have control of your money, so you should give it to them. And the truth is most of us know the right thing. Like it's not a big mystery, like doing the right thing and, and making choices. It's really a function of us trusting ourselves and we have to practice that because it's not instinctual because we, we second guess. So I think that that's one of the biggest things people can do is give yourself a chance by trusting yourself. All right. Awesome. Love that. All right, Damien. So yeah, this was great. I mean, thanks so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom with us. I think the listeners really got some great content and um, learned a lot from this. And before we hop off, if, um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, collaborate with you, what's the best way to contact you? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Say hi, send me a message. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're like, well, you know, I'm curious and, and I, I want to know more about EQRP, which is the main thing that I do and happy to teach you about EQRP.co is a great place to get some resources, get a copy of my book. I'll send it to you. Uh, so whether you want to directly connect with me on LinkedIn or get a copy of that book, happy to help you guys any way I can. Okay. Excellent. All right, Damien, thanks so much for coming on today and I'll definitely be talking with you soon. All right. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it, guys. Another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves.